WKNC 88.1. You guys are now tuned in to the first hour of Carolina Grown. I'm here in the studio right now with Laura Reed, a fantastic singer-songwriter who just recently made her return to the Triangle. Um, Last week she celebrated in Raleigh the release of her uh, new album, which is great from what I've heard so far. It is The Awakening. Um, They celebrated the release of that show at the Poor House. And you will be able to catch Laura Reed if you like all the stuff that you hear throughout this hour at the Poor House. Actually, next week, she's going to be performing at the uh, after party, essentially. Um, it's the day party that's taking place on Sunday at the Poor House, uh, put on by Younger Brother Productions, um, who also, of course, hosts LBLB every week. And she will also be at Shikori, which if you're familiar with Carolina Grown, you know I geek out over like twice a year. Um, and we are going to jump into a whole lot of conversation, though, first off, about... Uh, the Awakening, everything that's kind of come up to this point, because it seems like there's a lot, because you went to Atlanta, you went to Nashville, now you're back here. It seems like you've been kind of everywhere musically, but first off, I really want to get to the beginning of it. How long have you been writing your own music? I started writing songs when I was in high school. I was probably about 14 or 15, and it kind of started out more as poems, and then I started teaching myself to play guitar, and then it was like, okay, I'm going to add these poems to the music, or I'll put the music behind them. And then they started turning into songs. And then I became obsessed. And it was like, all I wanted to do was write music and play music. So, but Nashville, of course, I'd like to say that I feel like I never wrote a song until I moved to Nashville. It had helped me grow so much because they just have a completely different outlook on it. Right. Yeah. So it's it's nice to see that it started out like very poetic in nature because you can always kind of tell I feel like when a songwriter starts out just writing for the sake of writing because there's a lot of lyrical focus there's a lot of rhythmic focus because I feel like there's just as much rhythmic focus within poetry as there is music but Mm -hmm. it's almost like there's there's a different kind of bounce to it when you know it's like it starts out like that as opposed to just oh I initially want to take this and put it to music it's always like a really refreshing thing and I think it kind of lends itself to the vocal style that you have as well you know there's a lot of like vocal improvisation going on sort of and it's it's just nice to see when it's very obvious that you know like the words start out and mean something a lot more than just musically because there's a lot of like very strong themes within your music and it's it's something that I always really get to enjoy about singer-songwriters so you mentioned that you know when you go to Nashville your songwriting kind of changes a bit what is it about that area that sparked that change within you well part of it is just osmosis you know iron sharpens iron so I was getting in the studio and in sessions with some of the best songwriters in the world and you know a lot of them were a lot older than me had been writing songs for a long time and they were excited about my ideas I real I started to learn what my strengths were and my weaknesses and I realized that I come in and I bring in this like raw wood and that's Shannon the guy who produced and co-wrote the album with me he would joke around because he'd be like, you'd have these ideas, like bomb shelter. He's like, that's such a cool idea. But it was just raw. And it was seven minutes long. And he was like, baby girl, like we have to <laughs> do something with this. So I would come in with these pieces of wood, and it was good wood. And then we would carve at it and polish it and turn it into a three-minute song, which I like to call a song like a three-minute script. you know. And it's like, for me, when I'm performing and I'm singing these songs, it's like you're reliving, you're acting out that moment when you initially wrote the song. And that was also a thing that I learned, a lot of performance stuff when I was in Nashville as well, of not only writing the song, but translating the song. Because you can write a song and you can sing it to an audience and they're not going to get it. 
you you really want it to be conveyed. And it's like, how do you convey that message in the least amount of time as possible, as concise as you can, without losing the feeling, without losing yourself, and have it so that it's broad enough that everyone can relate to it, but also personal enough that they can really feel you. And Nashville really taught me that. I mean, I'm not a country writer, but I learned a lot from being around country writers that it's so lyric-based. It's so story-based. Right. And I love that. Yeah, it's... It seems like it's very like it. They approach it very minimalistically, like mm-hmm. you know, like you said, you kind of trim away the fat a little bit and get to like the core of it. And that's why I think you know you you started out doing the Laura Reed and Deep Pocket stuff mm-hmm. long long ago. It feels like now, um, and it's and it's gotten to this point where you know it's you can really trim it down to just you and acoustic guitar, and it can be just as powerful as it is with the full band, which doesn't really happen with everybody. So when you start out writing these songs, is it just you with an acoustic or does it vary song to song? It varies. Like this album in particular, I wrote actually a lot of it on piano. And, um, you know, I don't perform piano all the time, but I do a lot of writing on piano. And Struggle, song I performed, you know, that started as a guitar song. But it, it really varies. Sometimes it'll be the other person I'm writing with. They'll play something on the piano. And I'll be like, oh, my gosh, like I have lyrics or a melody that's perfect for that. Or sometimes I hear it. And it just invokes an entire song out of me. So it it really varies. But this album in particular was the first time I was really writing a lot on piano by myself. Yeah, and how how do you feel that starting those songs out on piano shapes a song differently as opposed to doing it on guitar? Well, for me, it's a pretty drastic difference. Like, I feel like I'm limited when I play guitar. I'm really a rhythm player. For me, a guitar is a snare drum. It's, It's a percussion instrument, which a piano is as well. But I make up all these crazy voicings because I've never had lessons for anything. And so even with guitar, I play my own weird way. And with piano, I definitely play. I have all these crazy voicings and pairings that, you know, if you had done training, you would be taught that that's probably wrong. But since I taught myself, I don't know what the rules are. There is no box. And so when I'm writing on piano, I I just really like the directions I can go. And I feel like I can take my voice in different ways. And the melodies kind of naturally come out of my fingers. Right. I don't know how to explain it, but because I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, it seems like it does. It opens a lot more melody to it because you. It's. It seems like not to say that piano is easier than anything, but it's. It's a lot more, I think, rudimentary because it's the notes are all like laid out for you in a in a line, yeah. basically. So you know, like it. I think it opens up the range that you can take with it vocally, yeah. as well as you know, like rhythmically within the song. So it's always interesting to see, you know, like how songwriters compose as opposed to like guitar or piano or this or that and seeing you know like picking out which songs you think like came from this or came from that it's always awesome to see the way that an instrument can shape an entire song like that just based off of how you started it totally and speaking of how you started things out uh Laura Reed and Deep Pocket was the thing that really started getting steam around the area can you kind of jump into that a little bit like let people know who aren't familiar with it like when this was taking place what you guys were doing because it was it's fairly different sonically Mm -hmm. so can you kind of jump into that a little bit well we all met in college and we went to Appalachian State in Boone and it was definitely like our the college band and it was very jammy and it was very blues based and um it was a quartet it was like an organ and keys and then i was playing guitar and then we had bass and drums and we bring in horns bring in background vocals etc and but that band was whereas this project is completely my songwriting and a reflection of me which i'm a lot more pop and soul 
as far as like what I like to listen to and what I want to sing. And when you have a band, it's not just about you. It's like what everybody's bringing to the table. So it was, we used to joke around and call it like progressive R&B or something because it had right. some rock elements to it, the changes. And definitely at the live shows, there was a lot more jamming. And the, the, the albums just had a different level of production. I think our album that we did then, we did in a weekend at Echo Mountain Studios. And it was awesome. The guy, Bill Reynolds, who plays bass for Band of Horses, he like mixed and engineered the whole album. And, it, you know, he kind of put his magic on it. Whereas this album, I spent three years on it. Right. So it's a big difference. I mean, sonically, it's probably just two, it's apples and oranges. Yeah, it seems, you know, like the more recent solo stuff is definitely a whole lot more polished, which I think is obviously very evident considering you spent numerous years on the project. Um, but how do you think that starting out with something like Deep Pocket shaped you musically in terms of a songwriter? Well, for one thing, it, being in a band teaches you not only delegation, but also being open to other ideas. And I love, I started co-writing, you know, I was doing a lot of co-writing in Nashville and then with Deep Pocket, I wrote all the lyrics, but musically we were always bouncing ideas around at rehearsals. And, and I learned that, you know, three brains is better than one brain. And that's very instrumental in songwriting. And especially in Nashville, it's all about the co-write. You know, when you see a hit song, it doesn't usually have one name. Right. On it. It's usually about three, five, seven names on it. And that's because everybody has some different way of looking at a concept. And I could, I've learned to appreciate that. And I don't have any feelings about it. You know, I can come in and this is a song about me getting my heart broken. But if you have a really great way of putting that in the bridge or your chorus is better than what I came up with, then I'm all about the song being the best that it can be. And I learned a lot about that from being in a band. Definitely. And I think that when you have multiple voices coming in, I think it kind of automatically makes the music a little more relatable. Yeah. So, you know, you have all these different perspectives, all these different points of views. But I'd imagine it can be... A little difficult to kind of you know like let go of something that's come from such a personal place is that was it kind of hard to initially get to that point or was it always something you were kind of open to starting with deep pocket and going onwards i was always open to it because the way i look at it the great ideas are going to stay you know what i mean the great melody is going to stay it's going to be unanimous when everybody in the room feels it then it's meant to be there if you're the only one that feels like it needs to be there then maybe that's ego and so, you know, anything that I can do that is going to help kind of temper the ego, I'm all about it. And with songwriting, it can't be about ego. For me, it's like, how do I convey this? This There's a source and there's this feeling and there's this emotion or this story. How do we translate it? And so that's really what it's about. And, um, you know, sometimes there'll be a line or an idea that I'll fight for. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. The cream rises to the top. So... Definitely. And sometimes it's it seems like it can be a struggle, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, getting to let go of all of that. And that's that. why you can't write with anybody. Like when I moved right. to Nashville, this guy, Paul Worley, had brought me there and he does A&R stuff. He's a country guy. He did Lady Antebellum and Dixie Chicks. And so first he like introduced me to a bunch of country writers and I was open to it, you know, but and we were bouncing some ideas around. And then he introduced me to, you know, some other R&B guys. And I met all these different people in town to write with. But then I found about two or three that I was like, okay, these are the ones I really want to write with. Everything else is just, I'm just kind of sitting in a room. Right. And and so that's why, you know, Shannon ended up co-writing this entire album with me. I didn't know if we were going to do one or two songs. We ended up writing close to 40 songs. Awesome. And then we chose the 10 that we thought were the most concise. Because I still believe in making an album. You know, I plan on pressing this on vinyl and having that when the official release happens. I, I love that. I like to have it so that you put in an album and from start to finish, it tells a story. And this album was 
a chapter in my life. I listen to this album now and it takes me back. I almost get emotional because I feel like I've even grown since then. But that album was all about me growing and about right. everybody growing. So it's, it's really cool. I love, I love, I still enjoy listening to it. Awesome. We are getting ready to hear a live in-studio take from the album. Uh, Laura is performing a song called Struggle, and it is from that album, The Awakening. Uh, as I have mentioned, that was released uh, in Raleigh last week. Is the only place you can get it right now. It is available at School Kids, um, and it won't be available online until October 7th, I believe is the, the rough date for it at this point. And um, that's all going to be available, you know, for pre-order or such um, at her website, laurareed.com. Uh, but right now you guys are getting ready to hear Struggle from the album, and then we're going to be back with a bit more conversation and some music as well from Laura Reed right here on Carolina Grown on WKNC. Somebody feels the pressure, somebody's rent is due, somebody feels the weather, always got a strong passing through. Somebody got mouths to feed, somebody got far to travel, somebody lives in the street. Their whole world's unraveled, every question got an answer, every lock has got a key. Every day's another chance for us to write our history. Everybody got a story. Everybody got a struggle. Everybody got worries. Everybody got troubles. Everybody got a story. Everybody got a struggle. Everybody got purpose. Got a path to follow. There'll always be another task. Always be another trial, something to get off your chest, another road, another mile. Sometimes mountains do sand, some turn sand into pearls. Some waits for no one man, one man can change the world. Everybody got a story, everybody got a struggle. Everybody got worries, everybody got troubles, yeah. Everybody got a story, everybody got a struggle. Everybody got purpose, got a path to WKNC 88.1. We are back with more Carolina Grown and more conversation with Laura Reed. Uh, you guys were just listening to an in-studio take from Struggle. Uh, that is a track off of her new album, The Awakening. And you're going to be hearing a couple more tracks from that throughout the hour. But first, we are going to jump into a bit more conversation, specifically about the album, The Awakening. Because as you guys may have heard, if you were listening into the first segment, 
Um, there was a lot of co-writing going on, a lot of work with producers, and it seems like working with producers in Nashville really shaped a lot of the way your music was made. Um, how how did you get together initially? You know, with Paul and eventually with the other producers and co-writers that you worked with for the album. Well, I met Paul. It's one of those great music stories. Um, I was singing at a wedding in Atlanta, Four Seasons, and this was with the Deep Pocket days. And I remember I had like a 12-piece band or something crazy. I went all out. It was a big wedding. And a lot of music industry people like Outkast was, you know, oh, in the audience at this wedding. It was pretty awesome. It was really crazy. So Paul Worley was there. And I remember I didn't know who he was. He was like a big-time country producer. I was excited about meeting Andre. You know, that's, right. <laughs> that's what I was like. I was kind of like beelining to like, okay, after the show, these are who I want to meet. But anyway, me and Paul hit it off. He loved the band. And then, you know, we just kind of lost touch. And that's like a whole other story of just business stuff that happened. But we lost touch for about three years. And then I was leaving Atlanta. And I just knew that I had to go somewhere. And I had this feeling to call Paul Worley. So I call Paul. He's in the middle of doing that record, I Need You Now, that Lady oh. Antebellum hit. And he was literally mixing it. And he's like, look, I'm in the studio with uh, Lady Annabellum right now. And he was like, why don't you come in the morning? Can you get here in the morning? I'm like, sure. So I met him at Warner Chapel Studios. I got to meet, you know, Lady A and everybody. And I played him my little demo I had been making in Atlanta just by myself. I was starting to work on the solo stuff. And played it for him. And immediately he was like, oh, my God, you've got to meet Shannon Sanders. Shannon is great at taking soul music and neo soul and that raw roots blues stuff that he did with Robert Randolph and everything and then polishing it and making it very pop and so he's like I think that'll be a perfect fit for you so we we met each other I think the next day and went and got some fried catfish and drank some whiskey and went and already started working on music immediately and you know an album later here we are so awesome. that it was just instinct on Paul's part but you know it could have we could have done one song or we could have had nothing happen, but it just ended up being a great musical partnership and we're still working on new music. Awesome. And what do you think it is about the connection between him and yourself that makes it such a fruitful like relationship between the two of you? What is it that makes the songwriting work so well? Well, I mean, everyone has a different opinion of, you know, what where the songs come from because sometimes it just really feels like magic. You don't even know what happened. But with Shannon in particular, I think it's his roots. He has a gospel background. And for, I'm, I find that I write the best stuff with piano, as I was saying. And he's an incredible piano player. So he would kind of hear me doing melodies or even hear me humming stuff. And he would just, just fill it up. Like it, there's this simplicity to this music and to this album. But then there's also it just it feels full. It feels, um, I don't know, really rich. And songwriting wise, he has a great way of taking the message and making it broad and universal. Like, Kindness is one of the songs on the record. And it started out as a song I have called Killing Him With Kindness, where it was more personal, just about, you know, people that you interact with in life. And his whole thing was like, how do we make that bigger? Like, how do we make that about humanity? And I really like that. And he would push me. He would really push me. He'd be like, I think you're, you're being lazy. I think that you could do way better than that on that verse. Or I think that we're going to take this up an octave because you're not even trying right now. So he really pushed me vocally. I sang a lot of stuff I've never sang. And, you know, I did pretty much all the backgrounds on there. I did all the guitar. I even did some of the organ on it. Awesome. And so he was really pushing me. And I find that when I'm challenged, that's when I get the best stuff. So Definitely. That's awesome. And it seems like, you know, doing this work has really allowed you to kind of like 
bump elbows with a lot of really really influential and important musicians like Mm -hmm. can you run down the list because there's like a pretty it's a pretty impressive array of people that you've performed alongside open for so on and so forth so like who are some of the biggest that you kind of look back and are like oh my god i can't believe that happened yeah well um let's see a couple years back i got to do a lot of some session work and songwriting and i got to perform with george clinton and p-funk and that was really great it was cool. I remember we did a festival in Asheville, and the Roots opened up for us. That's and I was awesome. like, I was like, oh, that's cool. The, you know, the Roots are opening for me tonight. So that was cool. Um, I got to do a show with Anthony Hamilton, which was great in Nashville, and and me and him just really hit it off. And I have been listening to him since as long as I can remember. He's from right. Charlotte, yeah. And I'm such a fan. And he became a fan. He came on stage during my show and was singing with me. I got to do a show with Indy Ari, who I really love. That was great. Um, Miguel, that was really great. And that I actually did um, two events with Miguel, and that's turned into we've all become friends. And his guitarist and me are friends, and it's just—it's crazy. You do a show, you meet some people, you never know what's going to happen, and they end up becoming part of your community. Um, I just recently did a show with Valerie June, and she's really awesome. She's based in Brooklyn, and her stuff is very roots blues, and that was one of my favorite shows I think I've done in a while. Cause she was just really cool. We both share an affinity for whiskey and uh, roots music. So I don't know. I feel like I'm really been very blessed. I've got to be around some of my idols, even on the record. Um, a lot of the guys that played were part of Johnny Lang's band, NDRE's band. Awesome. So. so it seems like, you know, being out of this region has been like a really, really fruitful thing for you. And it seems like that kind of happens to folks sometimes. You know, we saw it with like Future Islands. We see it with a lot of acts from around here you know they go out they move out and then they kind of hit it big but a lot of the times they come back so yeah. what sparked the return to the triangle well part of it is personal just my family is out here you know my dad was having some health problems i remember i was living in nashville and was was kind of wrapping up the album and but still needed to be there and i just found like i was having to fly out here and kind of check up on him and i just kind of it was just as out of concern. I was like, look, I think I need to be closer. I need to be closer. But I'm still, I was driving to Nashville every single week or I was flying. And I was going back and forth. And then I started realizing I go out with my brother because he has all these different events with Younger Brother Productions. And I was like, wow, this is completely different music scene than I, when I lived here. And I was like, you know, I love Nashville and it's got an amazing music scene. But I would say the North Carolina, the Raleigh, Durham, the Triangle music scene is comparable. Every single night there was great music. And I got really excited about it. I was like, well, my family's here. It's a short flight to Nashville. You know, I don't have to be there all the time now that I'm finished with the album. I met a lot of the great studio owners out here, so I've been doing session stuff out here. And um, I just think it's exciting. I feel like, to me, it feels like ground zero, like with Austin or Seattle or a lot of these other cities where there's all these great bands that are coming out of there. There's not a mistake for that. And you do have to travel. Like, it's important, I think, to get out of your, your hometown because it can affect your worldview. Right. And so I've traveled a lot, and that was really good for me. But there's also something about coming back and being around the people that you went to high school with and your family and having some roots and a kind of a home base because the music industry, it can really suck a lot out of you. And if you're not careful, you can, you know, burn out before you even peak. And, you know, I feel like I'm just getting started. Like, this is, I'm about to release technically my first album, even though I've been performing and out here for a while. So for me, having like that balance of my family and friends around me and coming back to a place where I started, this feels very natural. Yeah, it seems like it's almost like a pushing the reset button. Yeah. 
and, but still being able to you know take all of this great stuff that you've brought with you from other be Atlanta, Nashville, all of these shows, all of these producers you've been working with. So who had it seems like you've started you know doing in with sessions. Are there any particular artists or you know musicians around the area that you've hooked up with musically that you hadn't before that you're already starting to kind of feel like musical connections with? Yeah, well, I've been trying to go out more um, since I've been here. I'm not here as much as I'd like to be. I'm still finding that I'm having to travel a lot. But I've been getting the opportunity to go out and see other local bands. You know, I'm a big fan of Dark Water Rising. I, I love Charlie's voice and her whole, whole energy. Um, I've been a fan of Foreign Exchange for a long time. The whole, All the Jamla cats, like Ninth Wonder and Rhapsody. Definitely. And I've done a couple shows with um, different members of Jamla and Zulu Nation. And so that's really cool. Cooley High are good friends. And so we've done some actually recording stuff together and who knows if we'll ever put it out. But so there's musical connection there. Um, I just met great local drummer, Nick Baglio. Um, there's just, there's so much talent out here. There is, you know, and it's I, such a deep pool in so many different areas. I feel like, because that's the thing is, whereas, you know, a lot of the attention goes to the indie rock and electronics, stuff like that. But, you know, there's a lot of soul. There's a lot of folk. There's a lot of hip hop. There's a lot of R&B. There's a lot of really, really awesome stuff that I feel like sometimes gets thrown a little to the wayside. But there's still always a really, like, really, I guess, passionate group of people, regardless, I feel like, of the genre that's just going to be constantly behind it. Totally. Maybe it's biased because I've only been in North Carolina, but I feel like it's just... There's a real family vibe within this scene, and it's always it's a something, community. Definitely, it's something I've always really, really loved about the area, and it's great to see that folks feel just as welcome to come back and jump back into it and just pick right back up, kind of where you left off, almost. I I do well, like you know, me playing at Shakori, I had played there twice before, and it's been a couple years. Like people thought maybe I quit music. I was just I've been a studio rat for the last couple years. I just you know decided I was gonna really like learn songwriting and focus on that and write the best songs I could and make a great album. And I came back and was just welcome with open arms, you know, playing the poor house. I used to play the poor house. Like, right. I love Jack. Jack has been mixing my voice for a couple of years now and he's got it down. And, you know, I remember one of the first musicians I met when I got in town was Al Strong, amazing trumpet player. And now, you know, he's, he helped me kind of put together the local guys that I've been playing with and the right. bands. And it's just, it's been very natural for me. And, the way I live my life is, you know, when things are natural and they're just flowing, I, I look at it as timing and it's meant to be. So I'm if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. It feels good. So I'm really happy to be back in North Carolina. And jumping back to Shakori, uh, which is something that, as I've mentioned already, I love. I love. It's one of the greatest parts of North Carolina to me. And you have a set that's going to be taking place at the Meadow Stage at night, which if you've been to Shakori, you know, is always like, just an awesome, awesome time. But it's also, it seems like, jumps back a little to the jammy, like, rocky roots. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, now that you've sonically changed so much as opposed to Deep Pocket, how do you take these songs that start out so minimally and turn them back into something that can go on for such an extended period of time like you'd have at Shakori? Well, for instance, the Poor House show we did, I did a two-hour show. But instead of maybe playing you know, 12 songs. I probably did close to 20-something songs. But the thing is, live, it's a whole nother beast for me. I am such a live performer first. And so if I'm feeling it, I'm going to look at the band and I'm going to be like, just watch me because I'm about to go on a tangent. Or if I really love the horn line, I'm going to be like, do it again, do it again. And we're going to trade solos and I'm going to scat 
and I'm going to change things. But but also, it's just, I have so many songs now. I could probably be playing for four hours without taking a break if we really had to. So for Shakori, I'm excited because I'll, I'm going to have a lot of special guests. And there's going to be some surprises at that show that I haven't done yet in this area. So awesome. I'm really excited about that. And so when you have a festival, I look at that as an opportunity to really be flamboyant and creative and try out new things. And it's such a conversation with you and the crowd. So I feed off of that. Like a festival crowd, when you got thousands of people, I just take that energy and it just feed off of it and try and give it back. And so a lot of it, I, I have no idea what's going to happen because I might think we're going to start a right. song or end a song a certain way and it's going to be something completely different. So. Awesome. That's, I love getting to hear the artist's perspective on stuff like that because, you know, like going just entirely as a as a concert goer to Shikori, it's it's always something that just feels so natural. And whether you're watching like Diali Sissoho going out there doing their thing with the choras and all the crazy hand drums or even like Dawn of the Buffalo out there like slapping on the washboard for like an hour and a half or something like it's it's always just feels like it's such a natural free-flowing event and i just i can't like stop talking about it i just go crazy over shakori it's one of my favorite festivals it's great it's really great so i'm really looking forward to getting to see it at shakori especially a friday night set that's always really really awesome everything kind of starts kicking into a different gear at shakori on friday nights Um, But we're going to take a brief break from conversation. We are going to hear a little bit more in studio music here from Laura Reed. This track is called Wolves. It is also on The Awakening, but don't go anywhere because after that track, we're going to talk a little bit more about the album then talk a little bit more about some of the influences and inspirations for Laura Reed as well. So stay tuned to Carolina Grown right here on WKNC. False of light, shadows, stand in your light and disappear. Some false are so shallow. See what they want to see, hear what they want to hear. Some false are so envious. Crabs in a bucket want to bring you down. They make it so hard to trust. Question intentions when they come around. Always there when you least expect to destroy what you respect. Oh, wolves and she's clothing, clothing. Who you think you're fooling? Ah, fooling. Trying to pull the wool over my eyes. But I see through this disguise. Don't use the word family casually. Live 100 with sincerity. Don't rearrange words maliciously. Speak with truth and clarity. Always there when you least expect to destroy what you respect. Wolves and she's clothing, clothing. Ooh, you think you're fooling, ah, fooling. Trying to pull the wool over my eyes. But I see through this disguise. Fool, fool, love, I saw men's eyes. But you can't fool me. No, you can't fool me. You may fool, fool, love, I saw men's eyes. But you can't fool me. No, you can't fool me. You may fool, fool, love, I saw men's eyes. But you can't fool me. No, you can't fool me. Oh. 
WKNC 88.1. You guys were just listening to another live take from Laura Reed here in the studio. That was Wolves off of The Awakening. As I mentioned earlier, that album is going to be available everywhere uh, starting October 7th. That'll be available on our website at laurareed.com through iTunes. Um, of course, it was released officially last week here in Raleigh um, through her show at the Poor House. It's also available at School Kids Records. And I think any other record stores that that's at right now? Uh, probably Harvest Records in Asheville. But I'm trying to keep it all North Carolina local, and then everyone else just has to wait. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's reasonable. Yeah. So, I'm the- and you, you mentioned earlier um, off the record that you are basically self-releasing this through a label that you kind of started. Can you jump into that a little bit and explain how that came together, the work behind it, which I can imagine there's tons of, and just kind of where where you plan on going with it? Totally. Well, you know, I had a lot of help with making the album from Sony, ATV, because I had the, you know, the publishing thing. But when it came time, the album was finished, and then the next step is the business of it. And so we were talking to a lot of different labels and meeting people and – Basically, me deciding to start my own label was everyone was all focused on singles. They were just obsessed with singles, and I was just wanted to just release this as a full project. I was like, look, I don't want to break this apart. I have a vision for this. Like, I know how I want this album to be put out. I know how I want it promoted. And I remember I was really, really frustrated, and I was sitting in, I guess it was kind of like a meeting with Shannon and a couple other friends of mine, and Shannon goes, you should just release it yourself. Call it Five Foot Giant. Because I'm always joking around and people, you know, people are like, how tall are you? I'm like five foot giant because I'm five foot exactly. And when you meet me, you're like, oh, my gosh, you're really small. <laughs> like I'm way smaller than you think. And so it's kind of this going joke because I got this big personality and attitude and whatever. So, yeah, I was like, you know, I could. And so I basically hired on a team of people that work with major labels. Like I have the same publicist that does Amy Winehouse, you know, did her all of her stuff and NDRE. And I've met all these different people over the years that we're just so happy to get involved. So I was like, well, look, I guess all I got to do is just make a logo and put the record out and hire a team, and there we go. I got an independent release. And with so much being done online these days, you know, a lot of distribution is digital. And, you know, I don't mind going and hustling and meeting with record, like, you know, record stores like School Kids, who I love. I love independent anything. And so this just made sense. And as soon as I made the decision to do it myself, it was like everything started falling in line. And I got tired of waiting, you know. The, right. It's amazing what you can do when you stop asking for permission or waiting for permission. I was like, look, I will fund this. I will figure it out. I will get – I know so many great people. And, you know, it's going to be a lot of work. But in the end, I get to control what it looks like and how it sounds. And I'm so proud of it. And I think it looks and sounds great. Definitely. And, um, you know, we have a lot of great things happening in the next couple months around the release, and I couldn't be happier. Awesome. And so, talking, maybe putting the horse before the car a little bit, what do you plan on doing in the future with Five Foot Giant? Do you plan on keeping this as something just for self-releases? Do you plan on kind of creating a sort of collective with it? Like, where where do you see yourself taking this? Well, I haven't even thought that far. I mean, <laughs> I, I have, but at the same time, I, I'm not, like, looking for artists right. to sign or anything like that. Really, this is kind of I'm creating my own blueprint and being the guinea pig, and I'm focusing on this project. I'm already working on another album as well, so maybe that will be the second independent release. Right. You know, I'm not against uh, being with a major label. It's just got to make sense. Right. And for me, it was just timing. It was like, look, I'm ready to put this music out. I have a fan base already. You know, I'd already put in a lot of legwork that a lot of artists, when they're about to come out with a record, haven't. 
And so for me, I was like, you know what? Like, if nothing else, if just the people that already know about me buy this record, it's going to be a success in my mind. I just have to put it out there in the universe. So that's a kind of where that stemmed from. But I think it would be really cool to make it a collective. And already, it kind of is. Like, I'm joining right. up with Younger Brother Productions, Oak City Sound, Hope Tree Entertainment. There's all these different companies and friends that we're all kind of joining in Nashville. There's Full Circle Presents and Love Noise. So it's kind of naturally happening because that's just what it is. You know, there's power in numbers. So as far as, you know, looking for other artists, that might happen as well. Right. So we'll see. It's yeah. very organic. It's, yeah, it seems like something that if it happens, it just kind of happens naturally, which is the best way to happen when you're doing, like, independent releases. Yeah, you got to follow your arrow. You know what I mean? It's just follow the signs and... Right now, everything's moving forward like a car wash in neutral. So I'm, I'm so happy about it. <laughs> All right, that's a new one. I don't. I have to give her that one before I'll adopt. I'll yeah. adopt that one. Yeah. Um, but uh, delving back a little more into origins, um, what what was it that you were like listening to as a child or as a teenager that kind of shaped the way that your music has has become? Well, definitely. I remember like early high school when I first started playing guitar and writing. Everyone else was listening to the radio. I was listening to like UGK and Outkast, Billie Holiday and Muddy Waters. Like I was just really into Southern roots, like blues and jazz. Like I was obsessed with Billie Holiday. I was like watching documentaries and I just fell in love with her vibrato. And then I was obsessed with Muddy Waters and just anything blues. And that was kind of how I was teaching myself to play guitar. And I think it comes through in my voice and stuff. You know, some of my style has that kind of jazzy roots thing. There's definitely a hip-hop influence. There's definitely right. a pop influence. Um, you know, I also grew up listening to a lot of Lauryn Hill and Erica Badu, Amy Winehouse, you know, and sometimes I get those comparisons and I take it and I'm honored. Right. You know, I'm happy about it. But there's been a lot of different stuff coming from South Africa originally. You know, my mom's South African. So I've heard a lot of different world music that also finds its way. I speak Portuguese and Spanish, so sometimes... There'll be like, you know, in Wolves, you can kind of feel a little bit of a bossa yeah. nova thing, a Latin thing. So all that stuff gets kind of woven. And my music is definitely a fusion. I call it like neo-world soul. You know? Yeah, I've, <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't just me that was like, did that sound kind of like a different language for a little bit? I know it wasn't, but yeah. good. Okay, I'm glad I'm not just going crazy here. Yeah, there is no box. There is no spoon. Definitely. <laughs> so um, earlier before as well, you mentioned there's kind of some side projects going yeah. on a little bit can you jump into what you're doing musically that's not specifically the Laura Reed solo project well I don't want to give too much information because this is all unreleased music right but um it's probably the furthest thing that anyone would expect from me but I've actually been doing some electronic stuff side projects that I'm really excited about um one is uh, a song called Broken Puppet that's probably going to come out next month. Awesome. And that's with a production duo out of L.A. called Attack. And it's kind of Calvin Harris type of electronic. And I, I wrote, you know, I I met through Big and Rich, the country guy guys. Big Kenny has been a friend of mine, and he's been doing some electronic stuff. And he introduced me really? to Really? Yeah. I would and, have never guessed that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And it's actually really neat, and I like it. But um, he introduced me to this guy, Che Brooks. And I met him in Nashville. And he's a total electronic genius guy in L.A. And so he just started sending me tracks. He's like, oh, I love your voice. Like, if I send you some stuff, will you sing on it? And um, he was working with this guy, Connor Cruz, who's actually Tom Cruise's son, one of his adopted sons. And Connor sent me a song, and I sang and wrote on it. It's called Vendetta. And I think it's going to be his next big single. 
and he's killing it on the electronic scene. He's, you know, he sent me a video of him playing the song for 20,000 people in the Dominican awesome. Republic. And he's like, yes, it's going to be awesome. So, and that's, it's very theatrical. Like, I feel like I'm able to, like, be a different persona, which is really fun. If you're a writer and an artist, the opportunity to be able to create different than you usually do and get out of your own skin, out of your own comfort zone was really exciting. Um, and I listened to all kinds of music. So that was really cool. So there's going to be, you know, a couple songs coming through. And The Broken Puppet already looks like it's got a lot of traction. It got added to rotation already at Kiss FM in L.A., the big pop station. Awesome. And it's also going to be on all Virgin Airlines flights. So that was cool. Yeah. We, we like, just finished the song and, it, it you know, got picked up for some stuff. So I'm excited about that. I'm flying to L.A. next month to go shoot a video for it. So that's just a completely different direction. Right. I'm excited about it. For me, it's like it's all the same source. It's just like creation and, in, and inspiration and music. And the form that it comes in doesn't really matter as much to me and the format. But um, I'm excited. There's also some other artists that I'm talking about collaborating with. But, you know, it's still in like at the, the wayside. Yeah, at this it's point. still in the, the infant stages. But I, I love to collaborate. So any opportunity, I take it. Awesome. Well, it seems like a lot of the career trajectory has been based off of being out of the comfort zone, whether it be moving away from home, moving back home, working on electronic stuff. Which can be uncomfortable. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It seems like that's the initial reaction, but it also seems like it, it allows you to grow a lot as an artist. And it's exciting to see it all kind of come to fruition with The Awakening. And I'm excited to see all the stuff that comes from it afterwards as well. Um, right now, we're going to be closing out the segment here on Carolina Grown, um, but we are going to end it with one more uh, live in-studio take from an older track, actually, called Want to Show You. Um, and then after that, you guys are going to get to hear a track from the actual album, not an in-studio, so you guys get a little bit of taste of it before it's actually released everywhere, if you haven't been lucky enough to go to School Kids yet to go pick it up. Um so yeah, basically, uh, we are closing things out for this hour. You have been listening to our conversation with Laura Reed, a couple of tracks. Um, this is all available online. That will be going up on our podcast next week at uh, wknc.org slash blog. That is going to be up, as always, comes up about the week after, roughly around Thursday or so. So definitely stay tuned for that, and don't go anywhere, because we got a little bit more music here from Laura Reed. Thank you so much for coming in and talking. And thanks to everyone for listening as well. This is Carolina Grown. I am Grant Golden and Laura Reed. Thank you for having me. Signing off. You are listening to WKNC 88.1.
Well, look at the sounds of rewind when you cross the room. With the eyes upon me, oh, I bring you near. What I got behind me when you're next to me. So close that I can feel you, oh, your I will be. Help me get to know you, cause I wanna show you how I love you, oh, I wanna show you how I love you, oh, I wanna show you, oh, I love you, oh, I wanna show you how I love you. Have you heard, baby? Actions be louder, actions be louder than words. Woo woo woo. Oh, I wanna show ya how I love you. Oh, I wanna show ya how I love you. Oh, I wanna show you. Oh, I love you. Oh, I wanna 